Wide Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. Pick up your shirt. Welcome back to the midweek update here on the Owl Chat Podcast, the February 15th edition. Happy Valentine's Day or happy late Valentine's Day to all of our listeners out there. I am here joined in studio by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer and producer Nick. Fellas, how are we doing today? Man, I'm doing great. I can't wait to hear uh, Nick's poetry. Um, you know, he has some uh, some stuff prepared for us. Uh, so, uh, Nick, do you have one ready for us to start the show? Let's warm it up. Let's give everyone a nice day after Valentine's Day poem. This one goes out to all of our friends in Jacksonville, Alabama. Roses are red. The Gamecocks are lame. My check from Valentine's dinner puts your tuition to shame. That is certainly something. That is certainly something. Oh, hopefully for Valentine's Day dinner, you... uh... That is definitely getting cut, and so is this, but we're going to keep going. Um, Nick, there were definitely other places you could take um, Valentine's Day poetry with the folks over at Jacksonville, Alabama, but, you know, fair enough. Are you taking it nice on them? I'll, I'll, I'm only warming up, so we'll, we'll get it going later on. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. You want to keep going now, or you want to uh, start moving on to some of the stuff? You know what? Well, I'll throw in another one. This one goes out to all of our friends in Lynchburg. Roses are red, curfews at eight. It sucks that your bedroom can't be seen by your date. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, yeah, the Jacksonville State one. Uh, that was a bit of a warm up, but you're you're getting sharper here. I like it. I got one more left. We'll save it for the end of the episode. Sounds good. Sounds good. But um, we got a heavy show today, so we're gonna um, we're gonna get through some of the other sports as quick as we possibly can. Um, I'll go ahead and start with the flyover and get started with lacrosse. So um, lacrosse got their season underway with a blowout 20 to four win at Reinhardt. Uh, Leighton Payne, Caroline Farley and Hannah Davis led the way for the Owls with three goals each. Peyton Davis and Hannah Barth and Alyssa Angelo also added two goals of their own. Um, And moving on to tennis. Uh, the men's team is taking on Sanford and Birmingham at 2 p.m. on the day of this recording, so we will not have those results to talk about yet. After Sanford, the men are off till February 24th when they take on UNC Asheville. The women's team picked up their first win of the season um, with a 4-3 win over Alabama State last week behind singles victories from Taylor Dean, Sophia Madrid, and Sophia Unger, um, and a win in the doubles round. Um, they will take on UAB in Birmingham on Friday the 16th. Moving on to track and field, track had a busy week and competed in three different meets, um, sending 56 competitors to the Bulldog Open at Sanford in Birmingham. Uh, Kayla Brown took home the women's high jump. Taylor Moreland won the women's triple jump. Alana Mack won the women's 60 meter. And the men's group of Trey, uh, I'm going to say Jeter, Geeter. It's like Derek Jeter with a a G. Um, Tyree Hussey, Cameron Johnson, and Malik Hussey took home the four by 400 meter relay. Um, and then a pair of owls competed at the Music City Challenge in Nashville with Brian Limo finishing second in the 3K. And then finally, another pair of owls competed in pole vaulting at Clemson, where AJ Johnson took home third place. Next up are the ASUN Championships to conclude the indoor season for track. Moving on to golf, men's golf and women's golf were both finally back 
um, as men's golf competed in the Palmas del Mar Collegiate in Puerto Rico. Uh, the Owls finished in impressive third place thanks to a Claus Beauregard um, performance that saw him shoot 10 under par for 206 on the event. Then women's golf finally got their season underway at the Columbia Invitational in Florida and placed fourth. Next up for the women's will be the Rio Verde Invitational in Arizona. Um, that's all I got. I know Nick's got the softball rundown, so go ahead and take it away. Sounds good. Softball participated in the Texas State Tournament this past weekend. It was a four-game set that they had lined up for different opponents. Their first game, they played Texas State. It was a 4-3 loss. KSU had led the game 3-0 going into the bottom of the sixth, thanks to a Macy Howes home run in the fourth and an error that allowed Kiara Cooper to score in the sixth inning. Uh, Melanie Bennett started the game and allowed only two hits through her first five innings uh, before allowing the three-run home run and an RBI double uh, to make the score 4-3. Uh, that was where freshman Emma Friedel would come in to get the final out of the inning uh, and make her KSU debut. Uh, the Owls went down 1-2-3 in the seventh to end that game. But the Owls would bounce back in game two against UTSA uh, with a 3-1 win in extras. It was a pitching duel. Lindsay Kite started off the season strong. She pitched six scoreless, allowed one hit, and only walked three. Uh, KSU put up their three runs in the eighth inning of the game. It was an extra innings game um, on a Cassidy Emerson Fox bunt uh, and error that scored a run. And then Caroline Shemako's two-run home run. Uh, Kenley Hillary saw her first action of the 24 campaign, pitching the seventh and eighth innings, where she would strike out four and only allow the runner that was placed on second base to start the eighth inning to score. Uh, game three also saw our Owls taking a one nothing win against Northwestern State. The lone run came on an Abby Hammett single up the middle. Uh, Kenley Hillary pitched a seven inning shut piece and only allowed three hits and struck out nine. Um, and she was a one of my keys to focus on going into the season. So that's really exciting to see uh, a good game out of her to start the season. Hopefully we can see more of those to come. Uh, the fourth game of the tournament, we lost two to one to Creighton. It was a freshman pitching game where Leah Jankos and Emma Friedel took the uh, took the pill for the majority of the game. They only allowed one earned run on the game, but obviously the 2-1 loss in the unearned run coming in the seventh would be uh, their undoing. So 2-2 two to, two to start the season, KSU softball is going to play their highest-ranked opponent at home today when they host Tennessee. So this is coming out tomorrow, so this is actually one day late. Um, honestly, I'm just hoping to see a good uh, pitching showing from our Owls. Uh, the hitting has kind of been our biggest uh, weakness over the past year. Um, and it's kind of showing a little early too, based on our run production. So really it's going to be how many runs can we hold this Tennessee lineup to? And uh, if we're able to put anything on the board, then we're going to have something to really talk about in the next episode. Uh, but now I'll pass it over to John to talk some baseball. Yeah. So I just want to do a quick baseball preview. Well, I guess maybe not so quick depends on how you guys uh, interpret it. Uh, so the baseball team, after going 36 and 28 uh, in 1911 in conference with a regional appearance in Ryan Coe's first year at the helm in 2022, took a step back last season in 2023 and nosedive towards the back of conference play and finished 25 and 29 overall and 14 and 16 in conference 
we did not make the tournament. We just missed out. We're probably a win or two away from uh, sneaking in the back end. But you know what? Who cares? You know, we don't want to get in like that anyway. Uh, things weren't looking uh weren't looking great for us, but um, a few things went wrong last season. Namely, the Owls lost their steady Eddie uh, Friday and Saturday starters of Jack Myers and John Bezdecek from the year before, and didn't have anybody uh, ready to step in. Uh, the entire so last year we brought in two names: uh, Blake Weehunt and uh, Nick Zegna. Both pitched uh, admirably. They did their best they could. Uh, Weehunt got drafted, but the entire rotation it was kind of you know it needed to be stabilized a little bit more, and we didn't really get that until later on. Uh, but the Owls are returning a starter in uh, Braden Osbalt this year. Uh, we expect big things from him. Uh, last season, he struggled getting swings and misses with only 44 strikeouts and 66 innings. But I think he'll really improve on that this season and could plant himself firmly on Friday or Saturday night as a starter. Osbalt was named the number 43 prospect in the country on the recently released D1 Baseball Top 25 Draft Prospects list. Um, so again, there's uh, there's ace upside here uh, with Braden Osbolt. Um, also expected to be in the rotation are uh, Blake Ida and Smith Pinson, both key bullpen pieces last season. Uh, they both pitched in the Cape Cod League this past summer and boosted their stocks. Uh, Pinson had a 2.27 ERA last season, and Ida was a 4.5 ERA with over a strikeout per inning. They both offer a variety of pitches, and it'll be fun to see how they uh, do in their new roles. Um, it's good to see that the program is in a place where it's developing talent and bringing them from the pen into the rotation instead of having to look outside every year for multiple starters like we did the past couple of years, which isn't sustainable in these NIL days. Uh, the Owls have quite a few options out of the bullpen this season as well but the roles are to be determined. Uh, Tyler Franks returns as a lefty option who needs to be more consistent with his control on a game-to-game -game basis. Uh, when he is locked in, he's very tough to hit. Also on the left side is two-way player Braden Edson, who started some last season, but will likely uh, fill a bullpen role from here on forward. Uh, Edson could be very effective in short usage. Uh, Brooks Rosser also returns after a solid season last year and could be used in medium leverage spots. Uh, also returning is Nolan Sliver, a sophomore righty who started off strong last season but faded as the year went by. Uh, if he can come back stronger and more consistent, then the Owls could have a top-end relief option or even a midweek starter there. Uh, and the same could be said about Tanner Franklin, who is a, a big righty from Tennessee, regarded as a possible future draft pick in 2025. Franklin can crank it up into the mid-90s, but needs to show that he can throw strikes after a rough rookie year. Also returning, sort of, is Hudson Mims. Mims played the last two years as an infielder solely, but has moved to the mound and will likely be a two-way player this year. He has a big arm for his size, and it wouldn't surprise me if he quickly becomes a high-leverage reliever. Um, another high-leverage option is fresh, true freshman Ryan Renfro, who showed off a big arm this offseason, up to 96 miles per hour. Um, I believe he was a, a late uh, position change type guy in high school, so uh, we we're lucky to land him. Uh, but as with uh, you know all freshmen, you never know what you're going to get, but Renfro could end up being... Uh, a high leverage dude. Um, other freshmen that could contribute right away are Bo Rudy and Daniel Powell. Uh, Rudy is probably uh, low to mid 90s on the fastball, 
and uh, Daniel Powell was up to uh, 96. Um, other owls that are uh, could contribute out of the bullpen are transfers Brody Meeks and Halton Hardy. Meeks has some interesting stuff, and Hardy is known as a good strike thrower. Um, the Owls' defense last season, going to the position players, the defense last season was a letdown, and the offense didn't pop like it did uh, with Josh Hatcher, Cash Young, and Tyler Simon the year before. Uh, plagued by some inconsistency in the field, including guys playing out of position, the Owls struggled to give their young pitching staff much confidence. Uh, fans held their breath with balls hit to the left side of the infield, and things got so bad that we had to move a player who had only pitched for the three prior years into the infield to try and find somebody who could field the ball, uh, especially on the left side. Uh, luckily, the Owls filled some spots, bringing in uh, Isaac Bouton, a big righty bat transfer from Columbus State. He played shortstop for Columbus State in the past, but is probably better suited at third base due to his range. At shortstop is freshman uh, Shamar McDuffie, who reclassified from 2024 to fill the Owls hole at shortstop. Uh, McDuffie has a good glove, but is a true freshman. So, you know, you never know, again, what you're going to get. Uh, but, you know, from what I saw, you know, at the fall games, he's very, he's very slick in the field. So as long as he keeps his mind right, he'll be just fine. At second base is Zach Corbin. Uh, steady Eddie, who's been plagued by injuries throughout his career. When he's healthy, he's a consistent switch hitting veteran option in the lineup and a perfectly acceptable glove who can play corner outfield as needed, but we'll see him at second base. Uh, Corbin, you know, Corbin will probably be hitting seven, eight, maybe six, something like that. Um, first base is up in the air with uh, two solid options in uh, Braden Edson and Donovan Cash. Edson is a much better glove and brings more speed, but if Cash returns to 2022 form, I'm not sure how you're going to keep him out of the lineup with his power potential. Uh, we might end up seeing a righty-lefty uh, platoon here with maybe Edson going against the righties and Cash uh, against the lefties. Uh, freshman Caden Brown is also another option at first base, a big, big dude, huge power potential. And, uh, you know, maybe he can see some time as well, but I don't think with the log jam with Edson and Cash, it's going to, and Spencer Hansen, who we'll talk about here soon at DH, going to be tough to find him at bats this year. Uh, Brown hit a homer in the fall game. I think it was at UGA. Um, we also have uh, Cooper Williams, who was rated the number 151 prospect in the country by perfect game but I think he'll be out for some time with an injury. Uh, he likely would have been competing to start possibly, or at the very least, a key backup at shortstop and third base on the left side. Uh, Hudson Mims, who we mentioned earlier as a pitcher, could see some time in the infield. He's primarily a second baseman, but played third and short last year as well due to necessity. So we might see some time from him there and uh, sparingly. Um, as well as Wade Richardson, who is also a primary second baseman, but played some shortstop last year due to necessity and can also play a little third base. Same reason due to necessity, doesn't really have the arm for that. But, you know, when you need options, you need options. Uh, freshman Landon Tate also has a chance to get some backup infield reps at designated hitter. Uh, we have Spencer Hansen, a middle of the order bat a steady Eddie guy who's been here the last two years at that DH spot. And like Donovan Cash, a guy that can hit 15 to 20 homers on a really good year. He had 15 last season. 
Uh, and left field is Jamari Brooks, a sophomore who finished last season strong. I believe he hit 300, actually. And a dude that, in my opinion, has a really high ceiling as a you know an OBP guy with a little pop. Uh, should be stationed. Probably a number two hitter is his ideal. In right field will also be sophomore Jackson Chirillo, a Toolsy 2025 draft prospect who made number 80 on D1 Baseball's list. Shirello uh, isn't as disciplined as Brooks at the plate, but has more power potential and speed. One of those guys who probably can hit some crazy homers, you know, get the ball, bat on the ball, reaching for some stuff, but also might strike out a bit more than Brooks could. So Shirello um, is a high upside player there. Uh, he played some center field and third base last year out of necessity as a true freshman. I don't think that could have helped his him at the plate at all, uh, seeing as how, you know, just different things he had to focus on. So hopefully, you know, putting him in a more natural corner outfield spot could be helpful. In center field is Gardner-Webb transfer Nate Anderson. Shout out to Dunwoody, Georgia. Uh, Anderson is a very small guy. He's like 5'6", but the dude has a little pop and might be able to park a few in Stillwell. He also can really run, and like Chirillo, is a plus defender, and he'll be manning center field, which is probably more a natural position for him. I would expect Anderson to hit leadoff for the Owls. Uh, sophomore Jake Streeter could see some time in the outfield as a backup, but I think Edson is more likely to be uh, first in line there. So Edson can pitch, play first base, and uh, corner outfield, and can play center in a pinch. Uh, behind the plate will be Nick Hassan, who's back for year number five, and sophomore catcher Aaron Posey, it will be interesting to see if one of them wins the position outright or if it'll be a true split of playing time. Um, having got new guys at center, third and short, uh, can that can defend. Honestly, if we had these dudes just, you know, just third gloves last year, like we would definitely, definitely have made the tournament and won those extra games. So that's just, you know, how big that could be for us. Um, so Coach Co mentioned at the first pitch dinner, you know, he made some mistakes in his coaching uh, last season. And, you know, I love Coach Co because he's an honest guy. You know, some people are just too big to, you know, admit they make a mis made a mistake. Uh, Coach Co basically said they had some good leadership in 2022, kind of let the guy self-police themselves a bit. You know, that first year and everything worked out fine. Whereas last year, there were some younger guys and, you know, he probably needed to take a more, you know, hands-on approach with some of the younger talent and, you know, be more on them, that kind of thing. And, you know, he's a young coach. He made his mistake. You know, he admitted to it. And, you know, I appreciate, I truly do appreciate that. Um, like I said, not everyone can admit to mistakes. Um, and, you know, I think we'll be better from it. Um, we are, we'll probably be a more mature team this year overall. So I'm expecting, uh, you know, not not maybe not huge, huge things, but I think we'll be competing for the top of the uh, A-Sun. We'll see how it goes. I think 2025, when we go into Conference USA, I think that is everybody's kind of peak year to where we'll have, you know, we'll be set. I think everything is setting up to 2025 being that peak year to where we have that depth in the infield that we might not have this year, where we have those pitchers that we've been recruiting that, you know, that are now two or three years into our system that are flowing through that coach co and coach Paso are recruited. So I think 2024 is going to be a good year, but I think 2025 is really that target year. And we're going to need that with, uh, you know, Liberty and Dallas Baptist and some really good competition in CUSA. Uh, but KSU opens up the season this weekend against UAB in Birmingham. All three games will be on ESPN+. Plus. 
uh, and we will be doing a post-game show that will drop sometime on Monday. Also, all three games, I think, this weekend will be, you know, afternoon start, sometime, I think, two or three Eastern for each day. Um, UAB was predicted to finish last in the AAC by the preseason coaches poll. Uh, they returned one starting pitcher in Blaze Berry, who is 90 to 93. And I think he's a bit undersized as well. He doesn't walk a lot of people, but it doesn't seem like his strikeout numbers are huge. So this should not be one of those insurmountable aces that, you know, we just need to be lucky to hit. We do have a chance to uh, win this road series to start the year. And I am personally hoping uh, for two of three. Um, asking for three of three on the road would be very greedy on my part, but you never know. And um, yeah, that's all I that's all I have. And yeah, Kai, uh, you're absolutely correct. Um, uh, Blaze is a blazer. Thank you for that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the baseball team? Yeah, good stuff, John. I'm excited to get this underway. It's a shame that we don't have a home game till next Tuesday, but that'll be fun against, you know, an in-state rival in Mercer. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to talk baseball at the same level I can talk basketball, but it's still going to be fun. And hopefully we get, you know, a winner um, in this school year because football disappointed and basketball has been basketball. So um, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. Uh, after UAB, we have uh, Clemson on deck and then three game series versus Clemson, which is going to be tough. They're very good usually. And you have uh, one of my favorite schools, Longwood. Um, for reasons I won't say. And then after that, uh, we have Kentucky. So, um, you know, I don't know how good Kentucky is going to be, but anytime you face an SEC school, uh, you're going to, they're going to bring it. And so it's going to be a fun, you know, it's going to be a fun non-conference slate. And, um, you know, uh, as far as the conference slate goes, you know, I'm looking forward to getting some revenge on some teams that kicked our ass last year and uh, go from there. Right. Love filling up the schedule with uh, some of the big boys, um, especially with going into Conference USA next year. You know, get us ready and just get us conditioned for that level of competition. Um, shouldn't be anything that we're scared of. No. Yeah. We need that momentum. 100%. But if that's all you got, and go ahead and talk a little bit about women's basketball. Yeah, go for it, Kai. Perfect. Perfect. So the Lady Owls split their Kentucky road trip last week, defeating Bellarmine and falling to EKU against Bellarmine. Carly Hooks led the way with 30 points while shooting better than 50% on the night. Uh, per usual, Princess Harden had herself a game, posting a double-double with 20 points and 10 boards. Um, against EKU, the Owls fell narrowly 66-69 to in a game that came down to the final possession. Harden led the way with 20 points and fell one rebound short of another double-double with nine um, and then things do not get far or things do not get any easier for the, uh, the girls as they host 11 and 0 conference leading Florida Gulf coast on Thursday night, um, followed by second place Stetson on Saturday, um, and earlier road matchups this season, uh, the lady owls defeated Stetson convincingly in the land 63 to 48 and got blown out 93 to 65 by Florida Gulf coast in Fort Myers. Uh, KSU is just one game out of fourth place and holds the tiebreaker over Lipscomb. So a first round home game in the ASUN tournament is still very much on the table, um, but it's going to take some work, probably a win over Stetson and then winning um, the last three road games of the year. Um, that being said, the schedule is pretty favorable after this week um, as the Owls play three straight road games against the bottom three uh, teams in the conference, including North Florida, Jacksonville, and Queens. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer both membership and daily fee play. Owl fans, be sure to mark your calendar the Owls Collective has a golf tournament scheduled for Monday, June 10th at Dogwood Golf Club 
to raise money for KSU athletes. Go to OwlsCollective.com for more details. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw, so be sure to visit their website at DogwoodGolfClub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. We'll keep it moving then to the men's side. Um, so the men will play Jacksonville the night we are recording this podcast. So um, by the time this goes out, there will already be a result. So we won't touch on that one. But um, on senior night, they will host North Florida. Um, we'll talk about them for a little bit. So after starting six and two in conference, the Ospreys have dropped three straight to the likes of Austin P, North Alabama and Central Arkansas. Chaz Lanier and Dorian James continue their stellar seasons with an even more impressive uh, shooting split than we were seeing when we played them back in January. Lanier is averaging 19 points per game on 51% shooting from the field and 46.4% from three. Um, and it's not like he's not a volume shooter either. He's attempted almost 200 three-point attempts this year. Um, so he is continuing to make a case for uh, all-conference this year at UNF. Um, and then James isn't, you know, while not being a volume guy either, also has very impressive, impressive splits, shooting 53% from the field and 47.5% from three um, while leading the team in rebounds per game. The concern for UNF is a familiar one. In their last five games, the Ospreys are allowing opponents 83.6 points per game. So expect a shootout type of game similar to the one against Lipscomb. I don't think it's impossible that UNF has an off night on senior night at the Convo, um, but I'm not super optimistic. We don't know right now, but hopefully the Owls will be able to generate some momentum against Jacksonville before this one. Yeah, um, you know, obviously two wins would be great, but um, let's be real. Right now, we're, we're just trying to get that play-in game is the – you know, the more realistic option and Jacksonville is the one we need to win due to tie breaks. So, and also, so they don't get the win on us as well. So um, we need to win last night's game. Um, I hope we won last night's game. Cause my God, if, if we didn't uh, you know, it's not going to be a fun podcast on, uh, on Monday. Not at all. And like you said, um, it sucks to speak it, but uh, this season has become qualified for the conference tournament. That has become the goal, and that's not a given right now. Like, uh, if we get swept on this homestand, like, um, the odds are probably against us for uh, showing up in March. Yeah, and if we get swept on this weekend, then we don't even deserve it. So, I mean, it's kind of like one of those things. So, one hundred percent. No, it's all on us, and you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna argue one way or the other. But uh, we're gonna stay optimistic this week and say we're gonna go two and zero. Um, it's like, who knows, but, um, that's what we're hoping for. Uh, then moving on to some football news. Uh, we had two walk-ons announce their commitments. Um, first off, Michael Ammons, a 6'1", 205-pound athlete from Norcross High School, who also has posted offers from Marshall and Incarnate Word. Um, and then Jose, uh, Belver, is it Belver or Belver, you know? I have no idea. I'm going to go with Balver, Um, is a 6'5", 290-pound offensive lineman from Cedar Shoals High School who has listed offers from Tennessee Tech, Alcorn State, and Morgan State. And then finally, the 2024 spring game was officially announced for April 19th at Fifth Third Stadium. Once again, it will be an, an intriguing product to watch um, with new offensive coordinators for a second straight year. But that's all I got for football, John. All right. Awesome. So I guess that means uh, we have some topic Tuesday. Uh, we'll get to that and then we'll close the show with some more poetry from Nick Massaroni, I guess, is the plan here. Uh, so each Tuesday, we present a, a couple topics for you on Twitter to chime in and tell us your thoughts. So we'll read those off here on the air. 
So let's jump right in. The first category was uh, favorite Kennesaw State sports memory. Uh, the first comment is from Coach Nick Prada. Uh, Coach says, ETSU 2015. Uh, my comment is, well, I, I could say that's pretty obvious, seeing as how he scored basically the first defensive touchdown in Kennesaw State history as a defensive tackle. Um, and we won that game a million to less than a million. So, um, yeah, that makes complete sense. Nick was great that game. Um, John S. says, it's got to be the road playoff game at Jacksonville State. Close second was being scrappy during our D2 basketball natty and being escorted out by the KSU cops for harassing the refs. Uh, so I guess he was uh, the ratty scrappy back in the day, and he got escorted out by the cops. That's quite the honor, guys. What do you celebrity mean? listener. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I can't. We also have another celebrity listener. I'll get to that here uh, shortly. Um, Matt TikTok says, March March 5th, 2023, Kennesaw State men's basketball beating Liberty at home to stamp our ticket to the big dance by winning the A-Sun tournament, along with the KSU football win in Turner Field against Jacksonville State. So those are both great choices right there, guys. So um, Jules says, when the men's basketball team won the D2 National Championship, I still have the videotape of the game. What the hell is a videotape? No, I'm kidding. Um, and Jules also says uh, her first game as a Kennesaw State or Kennesaw College cheerleader was uh, memorable for her as well. So thank you for following us, Jules, and listening in. Um, Keith Wehunt says, when my son took the mound for his first game, that, I believe that's Blake Wehunt's dad, and Blake was uh, drafted by the Red Sox uh, recently, so uh, looking forward to uh, Blake getting on the mound for them. Uh, Jason Childers says, personally, it would have to be winning the 1996 D2 Baseball National Championship, but more importantly, making the lifelong friendships with teammates and coaches. Uh, Jason Childers uh, signed, was an undrafted uh, free agent signing by the Twins, I believe, in 1997, and he pitched in the big leagues for uh, Tampa Bay in 2006. I think he was in about five games or so. So uh, we have a semi-celebrity there. So, I mean, if they reach the majors, right, guys, That's a, that counts. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he's in the books. He's in the books. Exactly, exactly. So thanks, Jason, for getting back to us. Hopefully you're listening here. Uh, Ron M says, for me, it was the 2018 game against Jacksonville State. Okay, that's the second time this one's mentioned. Uh, what a game. Couldn't find my car afterwards. The wife still laughs about it. Um, you know what? We've all been there. Um, you know, I, I mean, I get, I still get lost in the deck by the convocation center and I've been parking there for 15 years. So, you know what? It happens. Um, so nothing wrong with that. Right, guys? No, not at all, especially with uh, KSU parking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just have to hit the click. You have to hit the clicker until you hear the the beeping, and then you wonder where the hell did it come from, above you or below you, and it, <laughs> it's a process. It's a universal experience. Yes, exactly. Um, Darth Petty says, and I highly recommend if you have kids to do earmuffs right now, uh, our first home football game. I forget which HBCU we played, but they was crunk AF the whole game during the visitors band performance. When the big girls hit their splits and the crowd went nuts. Uh, then he uh, put a gif of uh, 
Carl, uh, the Simpsons character, uh, for, with doing the chef's kiss thing. Uh, Carl is one of Homer's friends at the plant with Lenny. Uh, so there you go. Thank you, Darth Petty, for uh, listening. And uh, you know what? If you find that uh, video with the big girls with the split, send it our way. Uh, Thomas S. says, when KSU smacked the shit out of ETSU in the 2015 opener, when both teams had new programs and we didn't know what to expect and both, you know, and KSU just went out there and just beat the shit out of them. That was amazing. Um, actually, Thomas S. was an ETSU troll, but I changed his answer to something I would like. So thanks, Thomas. Thank you so much for interacting with us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, so guys, um, what is your top memory? Um, I'm really curious to hear yours, John, because I know you've got plenty. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say the Liberty regular season game last year, because as fun as the championship was, for whatever reason, because it was a true home game, it just felt more KSU, the whole experience. Um, and just like seeing us break these boundaries that we didn't really think were possible two months prior and filling the stands up and opening the upper levels. And then, you know, being down for 80% of that game, um, we go on that run the last five minutes and Chris Youngblood hits that three. And that was the loudest I've ever heard that place. Um, that's what I'm going to go with. Um, another honorable mention, I'm trying to stay away from the obvious is here, um, would be covering my first football game against Tusculum this past year. That was a really cool experience and the crowd showed up and, it was just a, it was just a feel good day. And then also I want to say the Austin P game uh, last year at home was a big one because uh, that was, I think the moment in the season where we kind of knew that we had a chance to do something special. We beat them by like 30. Um, the student sections were filled up and I was like, Whoa, this place actually got kind of loud. Um, and we just looked great from start to finish. So um, those are my picks, but uh, Nick, your turn. I'm biased because I, I went through my whole student experience and what really, like, I, I was a fan of KSU. Once I came to the school, I was rooting for the teams, but I could really tell that my fandom was fully developed by that JSU 5OT game inside of SunTrust. I was in the band at that time, and that game, like, I, I remember just about everything from that day from just getting to the stadium from being on the field from when we found out that we were we were finally going to overtime and then every overtime after that 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 kind of game just set up i think all of my other ksu experiences um but having since graduated i think my favorite uh fan moment is probably the uh the championship game from last year what about you john yeah, um, I will have to say the Georgia Tech game from, what, 2010, something like that, where we beat Georgia Tech big time by, what, 17? I mean, it was it, it was insane. I've never seen the Convocation Center or anything like that um, up to that point. And, you know, it was cool having it on TV with, you know, a future NBA player, actually two, I think, were playing for Georgia Tech. And you had Bob Rathbun, the Hawks announcer, on the call. So it was cool to rewatch it. Um, I'm also going to say uh, Jacksonville State, the 5 OT game, just because that was crazy and amazing. And, you know, you could obviously say the um, the run from last year with the basketball team as well. Um, but also, a, you know, a selfish memory of mine is probably when I wore the uh, 
a pay, I went to a grocery store or whatever and got a paper bag and cut some holes out in the eyes and wore that to a game when we were very, very bad. Um, you've probably seen that picture on Twitter if you've been following me for a while. Uh, but that was a that was just a fun time. Um, we were so bad, but I still went to every, you know, every game that I could. So hey man, if you have that chance, you gotta take it. I respect you for it. Somebody's gotta do it, right? Yeah, exactly. You know what? I I'm glad we got it out of the way. Uh, but you know, if, if we, you know, if we lose both this weekend, man, you know, might have to, uh, you know, make a comeback. No, 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 no. I'm I'm kidding. You know, I'm kidding. John, you realize we are still just one win away from tying the second best win total in KSU D one men's basketball. I know. I know. This close. (laughs) I know we are, we are nowhere close to where we were back then. You guys have no idea if you weren't there, you weren't there. So, um, yeah, it's it was just a it was just a different time, and you know even if we lose these two this weekend and lose out the rest of the season, we were just in a, a different level back then of just inept. So that's All a right. that's a respectable memory. Yeah, yeah. Luck, uh, fortunately, you know, I'm trying to get the good memories to drown out the old ones. But but also, you know, as we talked about, the ETSU game from 2015 was another good memory. Of course, we uh, road trip there. Uh, together with me and a few of the friend, my friends, and uh, we saw the first ever game and got to see uh, beautiful Johnson City, Tennessee. I'm sort of being sarcastic, but you know it's actually kind of nice. A lot of mountains, that kind of thing. Could be worse, um, you know. But you know, it is what it is. But uh, the next topic Tuesday question: What is your KSU hack that you think nobody else knows? Matt TikTok says. KSU class of 96 main hangout was the old town grill, a true owl bar. Is that still around guys? That's a good question. I don't think so. All right. Uh, John S says when I was a student, the basement of the library was the number one place to go. Number two. That Wow. That's, that's actually a really good question. Like what is your, you know, favorite place to, Go number two, or what is the best place to go number two on campus? I mean, I think we should ask that next week. This is definitely not something we've been teasing for like two weeks. You know, there has been no talk of this at all. No, not at all. I have no answers for anybody. No, definitely not. Um, I have some answers. Um, I lived in a dorm on campus. Uh, so, you know, I, if if I really had to, you know, I could just go back. It was nice. That's what That's the plus of living on campus, fellas. John is opening his dorm room bathroom to anyone who wants to use it. So that's what that, I just heard. That is, that is exactly right. You know, and my couch too, my roommates uh, opened that up and I had random people sleeping on the couch that I had no idea who they were. That's also a universal KSU experience. So yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> that, that was, it was, it was always the same guy. And I think he was kind of like a crackhead, but I don't know, but you know, <laughs> I could go all sorts of places, but that's probably too personal for the podcast. But it probably is. It probably is. But those were those were fun times. So uh, should we ask that though next week on Topic Tuesday? We'll should talk we... about it. We'll talk about it. All right. We we might invite no, no announcement yet. We might invite everybody into our bathroom. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see, guys. Um, the, the thing is though, if people are still at KSU, they might not want to give away this secret, you know, because it's kind of like this is some hot information, guys. You know, you have your spot. You don't want it to be invaded. Yeah, I also feel like I don't want people to, you know, know where to find me. I don't exactly. want to reveal that. <laughs> exactly. Kai is actually recording this from the uh, bathroom in the social science building. 
<laughs> yeah, if there was a spot to do it on campus, that would not be the worst one. That's no, one of the better bathrooms. Exactly. This is why Kai doesn't use video on the feeds. <laughs> precisely, precisely. But John, I want to hear your uh, your KSU hack, no matter how outdated it may be. Yes, yes. We we had to go to the latrine because it was before the bathrooms were uh, built up. We had one out back. So we had to, we didn't have the indoor plumbing that we do now back when I was at KSU. Anyways, um, I was going to say there are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm leaving all of that silence in there because I think that sums up that answer perfectly. (laughs) Yeah, anyways, I was going to say, um, I don't want to incriminate myself, but there are certain places where you can park and not pay and get away with it. Um, I'm not going to say where, uh, if you know me personally, come ask me and I'll tell you, but, um, I've got my spots. I, uh, I have people on the inside. Oh yeah. I have my spot too, but again, I'm 15 years removed from campus and I still don't want to, don't want to give that away. That's fair. Nick, you got anything? Um, no, not really. I mean, I had a, a study spot that was rarely used up on the fourth floor of Burris, but that was kind of just like, it was a quiet area, mostly dead silent. So it was unknown and was a, was a decent spot to try to get some stuff done in between classes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, All right. If y'all don't have anything else, I can go ahead and take us out for the week. We need the, we need the poetry. Oh, you're right. How could I forget? Go ahead, Nick. It's all good. Let's close this one out on a positive note. Roses are red. We bleed black and gold. Our school is the best. You might as well fold. Our campus is split. Attendance is growing. Get ready to witness success overflowing. I'll leave you with this, and our rivals will scowl, but they know they don't want to go to war with the owls. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at ksuowlhowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!